I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. For 12-pack radio, get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news and the home of the Beta Rank College Football Statistical Model. Thanks for joining us. This is Brian Conger. We're coming off of week three. The non-conference schedule is almost done. It is conference season. We're going to dive into some of these teams. We're going to look back at week three. We're going to look forward to week four. And to do that, I'm joined as always by Rob Aaron from Sharp College Football. Rob, sir, it's a heck of a week. Seven and two against the spread on your end, Rob. I went five and four. I'm 14 and 10 on the season against the spread. But it was a good week all around. I feel like that that quote where it's like, you know, everyone will always remember the night when Michael Jordan and I combined for, you know, 85 points or whatever. But <laughs> you had a heck of a week, yeah. man. Yeah, it was a good. It was a good week. Uh, like some some teams really showed out. I mean, I had I had faith in South Alabama, uh, and I had some faith in Oregon. I thought we were overestimating BYU a little bit. Um, and it's funny, my my uh, my dad texted me and he's like on on Saturday morning, and it, the uh, Utah SDSU line. It had opened at 17, but it had crept. I mean, it moved up quickly to 21. Um, and he's like, I think that's too many points. And I was like, you are thinking of a different year's SDSU, my friend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. Some of these some of these spreads were interesting. Like, I think the ones that I jumped on at the end, right? So I added, I added Washington minus three against Michigan State. I added the Oregon game at the end. It was so interesting because those ones were the ones where I'm like, the more I thought about it, the more I was just thinking, like, Oregon can't, Oregon isn't that bad, you know, like, and then they're playing BYU and BYU is probably not as good and Washington can move the ball. And I mean, there's just all these kind of things that kind of came into play. But then there was, there was like these, it was almost a, a mirror image of each other. Like you mentioned the, the UCLA versus South Alabama, right? And I thought that was a mirror image game of what we got from Fresno State and um and USC were were like you know the opposite you're on the, you're looking at opposite sides of the, of what could have happened where like we know we know what UCLA is right and like my thesis was I don't think South Alabama is going to draw out the flaws from this team and they did and then you flip it around with USC it's like we know USC is going to give up points but I just don't think I don't think Fresno is going to be the team that's going to that's going to really make it hurt. And it didn't. And I'm like, man, I just wish the universe would be all nice and tidy. So, that, yeah. you know? <laughs> But alas, here we are. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we both had Washington, uh, which was a good pick. We unfortunately both thought Notre Dame was uh, going to really stick it to Cal. And they did not, man. <laughs> Notre Dame appears to be a very serious work in progress. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, Marcus Freeman and Jimmy Lake should get together and go bowling, you know, <laughs> just the lack yeah. of offense with the players they have. Well, like it's, it's one to tack a like t- tuck in the back of our pocket 
Uh, and by the time these games roll around, like beta rank will be all in season data too, but like Stanford and USC will be playing Notre Dame later in the season. Ah, that, that kind of makes things a little bit more interesting now, because I think we had both of us kind of had that game for both teams. Or at least I did mentally as a loss for the PAC 12. And now you're starting to, now we're cooking. Like if you're USC fans, oh, yeah. kind of feeling yourself a little bit, looking forward to that schedule, have an interesting game up against uh, Oregon State. But like, you know, we're bearing the lead, which is Marcus Freeman will be in the next coach at ASU. Like clearly that's, that's <laughs> this is going right. <laughs> um, are, are you, are you surprised that they pulled the trigger right after that game? You know, I mean, look, here's what I think is just odd about this still. Like we, and we've talked about this last year, right? Because there were a lot of questions like, why didn't they fire Herm last year? Yeah. Um, and the answer was they didn't know what was coming from the NCAA and we still don't. Um, but also like last year was a crazy hiring cycle, right? With lots of big name schools out there and your ASU, you just wanted to, you know, punt the ball into this season get into this hiring cycle um, and not have to be competing against USC and LSU, uh, you know, and, and everyone, you know, in Florida and everyone else that out there, because after that it ended up being Oklahoma, and yeah. Notre Dame, you know? So this is, this is the, in some sense, like this sort of worked, right? Like, but I, I guess what I'm sort of concerned of with, uh, about with this is, is look, sometimes you make this move because you want to get a head start. Sometimes you make this move, you know, because you want to, you know, you're like, you want to, like, it just feels like it, it feels like they're just doing it to do something though, because it's not going to get better. That's what's like, just, uh, I think that's what, that's what my concern sort of concern here was, is I mean, like this was, this was bad. I mean, this, this, this game was really, really bad. And I, it's hard to look at this staff and think like, oh yeah, like there's anything on this, anybody on this staff, some change in, in the message and the way it's being delivered versus the way Herm delivers it is going to really make a difference. And I guess I kind of find that hard to believe. Um, but two is like, I kind of worry about is like, they already have to be thin as far as a staff goes. Yes. Right. Yeah. I mean like, and look like Herm is just one dude. Right. But like this is already a staff that has had major losses and has struggled. I mean, like because of Herm's job situation has struggled to find replacements. They've they've already promoted a ton of people that were graduate assistants, you know, so they're like to, to basically like, you know, force yourself down another body just seems, I don't know. I mean, like, look, like the, the pay will be fine. Any, like, you know, if need, but like you're, you're going to be replacing Herm who has a ton of experience with somebody who is likely far, far less experienced, um, you know, around on the staff. And I just, I don't know. Like, I, I think in that sense, it's sort of odd because the ultimate question still is like, we still don't know what the NCAA is going to come down with. Right. Um, and, and it just feels I don't know. Like, I mean, it does certainly feel like they, 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 they wanted to like, you know, Michael Crow and Ray Anderson wanted to look like they were doing something right. Like they didn't want to be sitting there after this loss and still sitting on their hands. They had really only kept Herm in place to get into this season. So, I mean, in that sense, it does sort of make sense. But I think from a, if I'm I actually care about like the product on the field, like, I I am a little worried about how thin that staff was, and even one even having to fill one one extra position and move someone up is probably a net loss for this staff. Yeah, 
I was really bummed because I thought the wheels would come off mid-season, not against Eastern Michigan at home. Yeah. You know, like this one, you have this one penciled in as a win, right? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I bet on this game. I, I, I gave that cause like what, you know, AS really like, Herm keeps these games close. I, but he keeps them close. Usually in conference season when they're playing a crappy Mac Mac team, they usually step on the, on the gas and step on the throat. And so I just assumed, all right, they're coming back from Oklahoma state. They didn't look bad, frankly, on the road against, I mean, they, like, they they called that game really conservatively and, and which is what he does, but they didn't look they didn't they didn't embarrass themselves on the road in Stillwater. So I'm like, okay, well they'll come back home. Like, you know, like they the team that they have, like they have talent on the on the field. We've talked about this in our preview where it's look, this team isn't what it was two years ago or three years ago, but it's not it's not like Arizona two years ago, you know, where they lost like seventy to seven. You know, uh, right. and now you take a look at what they have. And to your point, and I, I love Bobby Wade. Like I watched him play at Arizona. He was my favorite player. I mean, when he's your, when he's your wide receivers coach, you know, like he's got like two years of experience as a grad assistant. Right. And that's, that's not good. And I agree with you. I think that if, look, if you're going to, if you're going to hold on to Herm into this season, you might as well just ride the train, you know, and, and then get off, you know, at the end of the season when you can get your ducks in a row. But yeah, I, 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 I'm curious what you think when we get into the preview, when they play Utah, because, you know, oftentimes you get that boost from firing a coach. I don't yeah. know if that happens at ASU. I think it's kind of a disaster right I now. I mean, Nebraska was banking on that, weren't they? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, a lot of betters were too. Not I, not I, but yeah. <laughs> but, right. I mean, there is that sort of like win one for the former coach show them you know like i just this is a real bad spot for asu for that i mean like yeah i mean like the the, i was at that completely bananas arizona game after they fired mike stoops that game against ucla and it was on espn (laughs) and um like arizona like busts out the uh the desert swarm defense <laughs> on them. like takes they have like two weeks off they fire mike stoops they install some crazy defense that ucla was not in any way expecting um some fan pretends to be a ref and runs onto the field and steals the ball and then runs away with it and then starts streaking and you're watching that and then a fight breaks out and both Benches clear. <laughs> One can only hope in this game it gets and, like, and then Tim Kish somehow rallies the Wildcats to like knock off UCLA and probably also put a nail in like Rick Neuheisel's coffin. <laughs> this head coach. It's amazing. Of that- the Bruins. Like, but I don't see that kind of like, oh, we're gonna rally. And I also do think teams I mean like look, like if you're gonna do this, like the bye week's probably the right time to do this. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, and not not a game uh, against Utah that which by the way can run the ball, which by the way you suck at. So <laughs> you know, defending yeah. against yeah, it, it's it's bizarre. I do think like you know taking a, a step back away from the ASU because we'll cover that, and I'm sure that there's going to be names that get floated and whether or not they're actually you know actually candidates or if the agents are tossing their names in a hat. You never know. I think I think this year or this week was kind of a uh, you, you take a look at where like the final results of most of these games. I think there's a couple teams. I still don't have my, my finger on the pulse of the program, but I did think this was like a moment of clarity type of week where, all right, ASU, right? Like clearly, clearly that, that, that 
terrain is falling off a cliff. You know, Arizona continues to be competitive. USC continues to put points on the board. Washington continues to put points on the board. We're starting to see these themes finally of what these teams can be. Like Colorado, you know, allowed Minnesota to score 49. Like the the flaws of UCLA are starting to show up. Oregon's starting to get his act together. So it's it's always nice to get into conference season and and kind of think, all right, I, I think I have a handle on these teams. So like, Rob, when you're looking at week four, what what teams in the Pac-12 do you think you have pegged down? Just mentally, you know, Beta Rank's going to take another couple of weeks to get all the all this stuff sorted out. But for you, which teams are you most confident at pegging down? And then which teams do you still not have a good idea of who they are? I saw. I mean, let's start. I'm really confident in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm extremely confident in where I have the buffs. I don't. I don't think that's. I mean, I think um, Mr. Magoo, you know, could could you know, point out what's going on with the Buffaloes, but, Oh, did you, so I was listening to split zone duo and they have a, they have a feature where they, they have like a guest buyout. Do you know what Carl Durrell's buyout is? I saw you tweet this, but you should let people, um, yeah, let everybody know. Cause it's crazy. Yeah. It's $11 million. If they, if they, if they fire him before January and then it drops to eight. Oh my gosh! And I think they, I think they jacked that up because they gave him that extension after the COVID season. God, that's so stupid. Who is? It's the same thing as the Clay Helton. You know who's yeah. who's clamoring to hire Clay Helton, and it ended up being right. Georgia State. You know, it's like the same or sort of Georgia Southern, whichever one it was. But like, you know, Carl Durrell, he could, like let's pretend that like it's an open market, right? Open season. Carl yeah. Durrell is you know he ditched his girlfriend and he's back on the market. You know, like who's Who's like, that's my guy. I want him. Yeah. It's what a mess. Like that whole Colorado program has been a disaster for a number of years. We've talked about it before. Well, we've talked, I mean, like, look, I mean, we, we talked about, I mean, back when Arizona fired Kevin Sumlin, like, do they have the money to make this move? And it turned out the football was bad enough. They had the money to make the move, (laughs) you know? Um, And you could absolutely, I think there's a reasonable argument that like the football will be bad enough that Colorado will have the money to make the move. But they're Colorado's heading towards like historically bad power five territory. They may give Duke last year a run for their money. And that's saying something because Duke is horrible. Oh, and I like, feel like I well oh, the, the, to your point, like it was fun looking at the model last year, right? Because like we go through every week and we kind of take a look at all right, what what is the what is the model looking at which teams? And it was Duke and Indiana and Stanford and Maybe Navy. And it was Duke, Duke, Indiana, and Sanford were the three. We're, we're, we're by like week five. Baderink's like, nope. <laughs> you know, you yeah, these guys are bad. Yeah. Like, don't, don't. <laughs> it was ahead of Vegas on that. Like, don't even, don't even try it. It's like, doesn't matter you know, what like, number. Yeah. You know who Baderink likes a little bit more than Vegas this year so far? Mm. UNLV. Yeah. <laughs> Again. <laughs> uh, it's got him this week, too. Wow. Oh, that's <clears> insane. But yeah, I, like, yeah, they they are they are spinning wildly out of control. The the, the one thing that that will and then we'll get into the games because we'll we'll talk about some of the stuff when we're looking at the matchups here. Is this is good for the conference, right? Like I want to bottom out. I'm a bottoming out at Colorado and ASU, and I want them to move on 
because yeah. I've yeah. because we've just seen Gary Anderson at Oregon State. What did it what did it lead to? Right, you have Jonathan Smith hired at Arizona. You had Kevin Sumlin just bottom that program out, and it was just like a, a very quick moment of clarity of, of them moving on. And now you have Jed Fish that's just like injecting some some interest and energy into the program. And I want that for Colorado because it's a beautiful campus and an attractive place to play. And ASU is in freaking Phoenix, like it's one of the biggest cities in right. America. You know, like these teams should be good. No, we talk. I mean, people talk about right. Like, I mean, a, I mean, people have called ASU a sleeping giant forever. Like, yeah, okay, you know, I mean, it's somewhat true. Um, <clears throat> but I think the point, like, I mean, if you're if you're one of the schools, I, I think in particular the Arizona schools, and you're looking at USC and UCLA leaving, right? Like, the the sky's open a little bit for you, right? Like, you're suddenly the closest schools to Southern California in the conference. Yep, you know. Um, and you might be able to <clears throat> go recruit California and pick up the kids that are not, you know, not that aren't getting picked up by U- USC, UCLA, and <clears throat> to some extent Oregon. But they're it's going to open up space for them, right? Like ASU is still a really good job within college football, and it's it's a bummer, right? It's a bummer to see them where they are now we'll see what the NCAA sanctions are but like to your point yes like anything's better than sitting on like there's no point in college football and sitting on a bad hand as far as a coach goes absolutely not absolutely not and and we're going to see those teams finally move forward I would assume that we're going to see the fire in a Durrell I mean like let's let's get into it right so and, and well we should take a break real fast so we're going to get into all of the week three games, we're going to review all of the stuff that happened, including the 45-point the ass-kicking of, uh, of Colorado. And we're going to look forward into week four, and we'll do it right after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, Determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we're back. We're back. We're gonna we're gonna look at so if if you're new to the program, so what we do is we take a look at the week slate. Um, and we, we talk about the, the games that each team had played in the previous week so that we can look at what the numbers say against the teams in, in their matchup this week. And let's start 11 o'clock a.m. on the Pac-12 network. UCLA takes on Colorado. Right, UCLA goes on the road. They're a 21-point favorite, UCLA, on the road against Colorado. And and I don't think that's enough. Like I, I, I was funny. I was at a... Um, I was at a restaurant with my wife and I was looking at my phone and I like audibly cursed out loud when I saw who they were playing. Like, oh, you know, because I just, right. The one thing that Colorado sucks at is, well, there's a lot that Colorado sucks at, but the thing thing they suck most at. Anything requiring offense, right? Like, and, and just awful, awful run defense. Just, just terrible. And there, I mean, there, there really isn't a whole lot to cover here. And, and, 
what happened in Minnesota, right? Colorado goes on the road. They play in Minnesota. The final score is 49 to 7. Minnesota rushes for like 300 yards. Surprise, surprise. And, uh, you know, and like Tanner Morgan was fine. Three touchdowns, 150 yards or whatever. But like, I mean, you start looking at Colorado, right? Three different quarterbacks played. They, they, they were able to get a little bit going on the ground, right? They had about like a hundred and I mean, minus all the sacks, they probably had about 130 yards rushing. So that, that a lot of that was in garbage time. Uh, like it's there are some points where like people were tweeting out during the game like i think like minnesota might have had more points than colorado had yards oh that's gross um <laughs> so i'm like i was it was it was a it like minnesota is not a great college football team but minnesota and this is pj fleck he will absolutely put a bad team in a blender um if given the opportunity and again, when we when we talk about college players, like right, significantly better than I will ever be. I didn't play I didn't play quarterback in in Pee Wee or or in in Division One football. But JT Shroud is not good, and no. Brendan Lewis is not good. And you know, like I I just you know they they threw um what's his face into the fire. Like I just I I think right now Darrell's just grasping at straws, and and now they have a UCLA team. That that got a scare, right? I mean, thirty-two to thirty-one. Yeah, they got a scare. My I mean. goodness, and and you 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 nail this, right? I I thought because we, like we know that the coaching staff for South Alabama was pretty good, um, and and they and they've been a story that's kind of been bubbling up over the last couple of years of hey, the South Alabama team isn't bad. I just when I was looking at this, I just figured you know UCLA's put together a couple complete games. I don't trust their defense, but I, I assumed that they were going to be able to hold the line on the on the defensive front enough to be able to cover that spread. Because I think when we got it, it was like thirteen or twelve and a half or something like that. It, it popped up to fifteen and a half by kickoff, and they didn't. Like South Alabama probably should have won this game, Rob. Yeah, I mean, if not for the bizarre fake field goal, <laughs> they definitely would have had it tied. Um, <clears throat> And look, I mean, South Alabama moved the ball up and down on them, right? Yeah. Um, and that, I think, if you are UCLA, is probably your biggest concern coming out of this, right? Like, the offense is probably fine for the Bruins. Um, they sit right now at 14 overall offensively in beta rank, and that is unweighted. So, like, what you see in offense or defense right now for beta rank isn't weighted by any preseason stuff. But the yeah, – and that's right around where they were last year. Um so, like, I, I largely think the offense is going to be good. The defense sits at 34 in the unweighted, and that's wrong, right? Yeah. Like, they're going to fall as more data comes in. Um, South Alabama's offense is not that good. <laughs> I mean, they're good, but they're not, like, knock your socks off. This isn't going to be one of the very best group of five offenses in the country. This isn't going to be a top 25 in college football offense. You know, South of Alabama maybe is going to sit somewhere in, like, the top 60. Um, and so this is this is this is a pretty rough outing for the UCLA defense. They got run on pretty well. Um, the Damian Webb, the the starter for South Alabama at running back, like he averaged seven point eight per. I mean, now he has a long, he had a, a forty seven yard run in there, but like their backup was averaging five point eight. <laughs> like they they ran the ball pretty well. Carter Bradley had a pretty good day, even though he at times made some interesting decisions. Um, and it almost felt like at times, it almost felt like it was just South Alabama's inability to like execute that really cost them the game. 
when I'm when I'm looking at this and trying to extrapolate how embarrassed Colorado will be at home. They, they, Very embarrassed. They, yeah, I mean, like, because, right, if, if this was a team, if, if Colorado had any offense, right, that, that that's where I'm like, okay, because 21 points is a lot of points. But here's the thing is Dorian Thompson Robinson, A, is a good quarterback, and B, is a good quarterback who can run. And between him, Keegan Jones, and Zach Charbonnet, like it's gonna be it's gonna be the Heisman moment over and over and over again. Like if yeah. UCLA doesn't run for three hundred yards, Chip Kelly did something very very terribly wrong. <laughs> you know, like, right. And and when you rush the ball, it makes the game longer. It put, keeps the defense on the field unless they're unless they're busting explosive plays, which I wouldn't put past them either. But I just I'm not worried. Like I'm 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 laying the twenty one. I I when I was putting like I would be comfortable up to thirty. Because I just yeah. think that UCLA is going to score a boatload of points in this game. And Colorado's offense is so bad that even though UCLA's defense isn't that good, like maybe Colorado scores 14. Maybe. Yeah, um, Colorado's offense right now is at 124 in beta rank. Oh. Um, their defense, though, is at 126. And they're at 128 in effective rush. Like we're talking these numbers, UMass. These, these numbers are going to get a little wonky, right? Like, cause we're talking still about some small sample, but Colorado has played three FBS opponents. So we have three games worth of data in for them in particular. So like, I'm a little more confident about a team that I have three games in on than, than two. There are some weird teams that have managed to only play one FBS opponent. I don't know what you're doing. You've had four weeks. Let's get some work in guys. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but like I, I just, I like this Colorado team. Um, look, I mean, I, I mean, like Air Force came in and just walloped them. I mean, that was on the road, but they just, they just took it to them. Um, and then Air Force went and got worked by what had looked like a, I mean, I don't know if you watched that Wyoming, Illinois game in week one, um, but Wyoming looked very overmatched and Wyoming handled Air Force and like Colorado couldn't even do that. Um, so I'm just I I think UCLA is going to get what they want. I don't think like I don't know that we're going to learn a ton about this UCLA team here. I think no. that might wait for that Washington game because I'm not I'm not entirely sold that they have I'm not entirely sold that they have like a passing attack at all <laughs> because it's <laughs> it's Jake Bobo and like that may work against South Alabama. It'll probably work against Colorado. That is definitely not going to work against somebody better. Yeah. Um, and I think that's like when I think of, you know, like what they've had the past couple seasons, which is always right. Like the ability to hit, you know, a tight end, you know, and, and hit shots over the middle, lots of bend routes, lots of stuff, keying up the running game. Um, I don't I'm just I'm not I'm not convinced that they have anything like that this year. Um, and that's, that's been their calling card. Now look, Chip Kelly's been doing this a lot longer than I have. He can absolutely adjust. Um, and maybe, you know, Jake Bobo is not exactly, he, he is tight end like <laughs> his movements, <laughs> but it is like, I just, I'm, I, I think, I think you can maybe make them a little one dimensional. Yes. So like, I, I don't think we're going to learn a ton in this game, you know, unless UCLA really struggles. Yeah. And I just don't see that. So it sounds like, are, no. are you going to lay the points? Yeah, give me the Bruins. Like Beta Ray only has this at seventeen, but I think it's like we have a little bit of compression in the um in the distribution in from like the projections in there still. So like the point spreads will start to get a little bit bigger as we get uh two weeks out. We're two like I it's week five now. So 
Um, next week will be the last week we have any projections in, and then week five will be all in-season data. Nice, nice. Well, the next game is on Fox, 1 o'clock p.m. Oregon is a six-point favorite on the road against Washington State. You know, Oregon came off a big win against BYU, and I added to this card, I added to this card, like, pretty late, because it was three and a half, and I'm like, ah, you know, that, that half point on that three is always, it just uh, always makes me wary. But, the, like, look, it's the same Oregon team as last year. And like, you know, if, if this game had been, I forget, I'm curious what the spread was before BYU beats um, Baylor and before Oregon got smacked around by Georgia, but like, it's the same team, you know, with Bo Nix and like, is Bo Nix really all that much better than the quarterback they had last year? Well, we'll find out. But at the end of the day, like this was a big win for Colorado and a big, uh, I'm sorry for Oregon. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Oregon. <laughs> it's a big win for Oregon. I gotta, uh, get that. Wash my mouth out with soap here with mentioning Colorado. Um, and, and they just came out firing, right? Like 10 points, 14 points, 14 points in the first three quarters really put this game out of out of reach for BYU. And that's what you want to see for Oregon. I, I, I'm i excited. I think this was a nice bounce back for them. You know, Bo Nix did what he needed to do. But the two things that really stood out for me was, A, Oregon's ability to rush the ball um, and their ability to stop Jaron Hall and stop Christopher Brooks and like any, any really running attack here from BYU. Yeah, I mean, they really... I mean, what BYU was able to put together, and and it was mostly after the fact, right? Like BYU, BYU did its damage in garbage time here for the most part. I mean, Oregon was able to limit them offensively. There was definitely some moments early on in the game where it looked like like where Oregon's in the like Oregon did make adjustments. Um, they got they in one of the first drives, like they were getting beat a little bit off the ball, but. Oregon made the adjustments necessary and their offense like BYU's defense has been terrible. Um, and people really overrated Baylor coming into that game. Baylor's still overrated. They have no business. Neither BYU nor Baylor have any business in the top. Anybody's top 25. Oregon really did like put the, put the pedal down against this, against this bad BYU defense. Um, and Bo Nix had himself a huge game. Of course, you know, 13 of 18, 12.3 per, um, you know, looked really good. He ran, you know, for an additional 35. Um, they, you know, they ran the ball really well with Irving and Whittington. Like it was, it was, a, it was a really good game from Oregon all around. And, and I, a game that you could argue the PAC 12 really needed um, after BYU sort of managed to catch everybody and their mother down last year. Um, they needed the ducks to show up. Yeah. And I, and I apologize. I, I mentioned Nick's doing what he needed to do. I meant that through the air, right? Three touchdowns on the ground. Like it just, it, this is what you want to see. And I, frankly, I bet you, I mean, BYU's filling themselves a little bit, right? You know, you went, you went on the road, like you've had a good year. Oh, it's another PAC 12 team. Like playing at Otson's not easy. And Oregon showed why <laughs> it's just uh, a big statement win for them. I'm curious to see um, what they have you know, when they, when they bring the noise against Washington state, because Washington state and you called this too, Rob. So it was, it was interesting. You know, I, I love this on the show when we disagree and we still are both five, more like above 500 against the spread. <laughs> Cause I'm like, Oh, well, you know, one of us is going to be super wrong, but we agreed on enough games where like we, we both did fairly well because Washington state was one where you really nailed how crappy this Colorado state team was because uh, I, and, and, and I should. I, I always start with the negative. I should start with the positive. This was a total letdown game for Washington State on paper, right? You you right. Go, go to Madison, you win a game, you know, with with a couple bounces going your your way. Your quarterback didn't look great, 
And now you're going back home and playing a group of five team. Like uh, on paper, like if it, this is just, there's just sirens on all sides of this, uh, the spread on this game. And it was 17 and, and you're just like, Nope, Colorado state sucks. <laughs> Washington state should be able to take care of them. Um, and, and that was the case. Like Washington state looked like really good in this game. They were able to move the ball. They were able to stop Colorado state, you know, any semblance of offense that they had, which is little, but they were able to really kind of impose their will on this game. They won 38 to seven. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd been keeping an eye on where the Rams were going and it was mostly really bad. Um, and they, I mean, the, 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 the game to ignore was the game against Michigan. Like Michigan's has a powder puff non-conference schedule. They played Hawaii, Colorado state, and then they just played UConn. Now there's a team we don't know a lot about right now is Michigan. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true, yeah. The next game, Colorado state went out and got blitzed by MTSU. And the prior week, <clears throat> MTSU had gotten boat raced by brand new James Madison. <laughs> and I thought, oh no, that can't be good. <laughs> like you cannot, you cannot just go get housed by MTSU, um, a team that just lost to somebody that just moved up a level um, pretty badly. And it was the they were Colorado State is. I think a lot of people thought with the, you know, Norvell coming over almost that entire staff coming over the quarterback coming over that they would be pretty good. And they are not the, the roster really is not there. Um, and that's, that's a big problem. They were able, they tried to run the ball to some extent. Um, you know, some of this of course is like, you know, there are a lot of scrambles and sacks in there from Millen, but you know, really they, they held, you know, on the attempts, they they did try to really run the ball um, to really, really poor yardage. Um, they weren't able to throw the ball terribly effectively. Um, and Ward looked good. I mean, I just, it's it's really hard. I mean, he like, here's the progress. Like, he didn't look good against Idaho. And he, you know, and I, you know, we talked to folks that were, had reviewed the tape of that game. You know, and Ward largely looked the same as he did against Wisconsin, which was like he was only really making his first read and then bailing. Here, he he got to his second read. You know, like that's progress. Like that's what you kind of want. It's going to be a step up in this game for sure. I mean, the, it's it's weird because you kind of feel like what you can count on from Wazoo might be the defense coming in here. How much is an open question, <laughs> but you kind of feel like you can count on their defense a bit more. Yeah, and it's it's fascinating how they match up with Oregon because like if you if you look at the box score here, right, seven sacks, twelve tackles for a loss, and then if you kind of keep moving backwards, you take a look at what they were able to do to contain, right? Like as much as you can, the Badger rush offense, right? They still rush for 175 yards, but like we were at that game, I I was impressed at what the front seven was able to do to kind of keep keep uh, right. Wisconsin from taking control of that game like they wanted to, and. And like, look, I I don't think Colorado State is good, and you have to take a look at who your opponent is, right? It's it's very easy to say, hey, we won thirty eight to seven, we're awesome, or and like, I I don't I don't believe that, but I do like I I do think well, this is another like data point for Washington State being better than I think their five and a half win total is. I'm just curious what they're able to do against Oregon, right? Because once you start, yeah. once you start doing the matchups here, right? Oregon runs the ball extremely well, and I think right. they're going to they're and they now they're popping up against Washington State, whose run defense is probably pretty good. I think that it's like 
where do where do you think like where does Bader rank have him right now? I know things are still kind of floating around, but yeah, I mean Washington State only has so both of these teams only have two FBS games in the model at this point. So the the data is a little bit wonkier, but again, take it with a grain of salt. But they're at number six overall on defense. That's obviously going to change. Probably falling back, my guess is to somewhere in the 30s or 40s, which is still a pretty good defense for Wazoo. But they are better against the run than they are against the pass currently. Oregon is 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 sitting at number 10 offensively in Bannering, mostly after having you know just. I mean, oh, they're getting almost no credit, of course, for the Georgia game. <laughs> most of all, like most of what Oregon's done is is getting credit for going against BYU. Um, and you're right. Like they're going to, they're going to look to run the ball. I think what's interesting too, is when you flip it over, Washington state's had a bit of a bugaboo with like too many three and outs, too many three and outs, too many turnovers. They're at one Oh six and negative drives. Um, that's where I think it's going to be interesting is like, they're going to have like Washington state. It's not just do they score, score points. They actually are going to need to move the ball in this game because they can't, if Washington state's going to, I think win this game, they probably need to finish plus one on turnovers, but they probably also need to win some field position, um, and keep Oregon in negative territory. Right. Because I don't think, here's what I don't think about the ducks still. I don't think the Ducks are a team that's going to be that are going to be able to like really sustain long drives. And I think if you're Washington State, like it's it's going to be important, even if the offense doesn't put up points, that it, they get enough yards back that their defense isn't in a is isn't in a place where Oregon can put together four first downs and a touchdown. That's what worries me because I don't think I don't think Washington State's going to get it done on the ground. I think they're they're fine. Like they were able to get the the major like the mo the moments they needed to get those yards on the ground they got them but i don't think that's sustainable over the course of a game against oregon so i think we're going to learn a lot about what cam ward is in this game because i don't think oregon's secondary is all that good but right i agree but it's kind of like weakness on weakness right like unless unless cam ward is the truth and he really steps forward because they have the wide receivers i just it just didn't look like this staff trusted him the, the one thing, and my friend, Ryan, our, our friend Ryan, who uh, who we met up with in, in Madison, was talking, and he sent me the the stat, like, where, where Washington State's red zone percentage is, like, 13 to 14 or something like that. Like, they, they always at least yeah. score. Right. But I don't know if Oregon lets them get into the red zone as often as they're going to need to to win this game. I'll tell you, you know, here's an interesting one, right? Is like, you know, who's, you know, who, like, was getting open all the freaking time in that Wisconsin game? Was there and this is a different one for for Washington State? Was there tight end Billy mm. Billy Riviere the <laughs> third? And Cam Ward never saw him. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, mean, like, I mean, you'd say that about a lot of that game. Cam Ward didn't see it. He did not keep his eyes downfield. Um, but I think that's going to like what's going to be key here too is in Washington State's ability to move the ball because I'm I'm with you. I don't think they're going to be able to really run the ball terribly effectively. <clears throat> BYU, which has a pretty solid offensive line, was not able to run the ball well at all against Oregon. I don't. I mean, I think like George is a different story, but I don't. I don't think Washington State's going to be able to line up and push that Oregon front seven around. They're going to have to throw the football. It's going to be on Cam Ward. And yeah, that is scary. I'm with you. Like, that's a lot. That's a lot to rely on him for after after what we've seen, right? We have one good game against a team that looks really bad. 
you know, he's, but he's going to have to get through his progressions, right? Like, and, and he should, ha- he, I think he should have enough time to do it. And he is mobile enough, right? So like, he's got to keep his eyes downfield because I do think that guys will get open. Yeah. I'm worried that this is on the road at the Palouse, but if, the, if this was 10, I think more about it, but it's six, it's less than a touchdown. I'm going to take Oregon. I'm going to lay the points. And, um, and if Cam Ward beats me, God bless him. Because that means that he's like, that means that Washington state is now a force. And so like, I mean, six, you're really thinking like, can Washington state win this game? Right. I mean, like, I guess that you could argue, well, if it was three, then that's really the case. But I think, I think that's kind of, I just, I just don't see a scenario, uh, where Washington state like blows out Oregon and I think Oregon's going to be good enough to be able to cover a touchdown spread. So what about you? you who are you taking? Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna take Oregon here. Like, Bayerang's got this one a little bit closer, but I think it's part of it's just a product of having only two games in for each team right now. Bayerang's got it at three and a half. I think it's probably closer to eight or nine. This could be a little like that, that Southern Alabama-UCLA game where – this is the team that exposes Oregon again, but I just, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I we'll, we'll see. Look, I think Wazoo's going to end up being better than BYU, you know, and I think that they're a tougher matchup for Oregon than BYU is. There you go. I like that. I like that. Life finds a way, man. Washington State, yeah. five and a half over. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Let's let's take a look at this next game here. We got 2 o'clock. I'm sorry, 2.30 p.m. on Pacific. Oh, man, I'm all over the place. 2.30 p.m. on the Pac-12 Network. Arizona is a five-point underdog on the road against Cal. And both of these games that, that Arizona and Cal had were fascinating. Let's start with Arizona. And look, I know we, we on this show poo-poo the FCS opponents all the time. I do think, and look, you can call us homers or whatever, but I, I do think playing North Dakota State is a little bit different of a an team animal. that is it was is six and oh in its last six games against fps opponents <laughs> so like nine national titles so like yeah. like you you probably watch this game where where does where does north dakota state where would you rank them in the pac-12 oh man after watching this game i would probably put north dakota state at like probably like seventh in the pac-12 like they 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 could finish 500 in the pac-12 would be my guess yeah this, this was a buttoned up team that like yeah, knew and it's it was just discipline. Like they don't have, like they don't have the athletes. They're not trying to have the athletes. They're going to beat you by knowing exactly what they need to do on every play and having practiced it. Yeah. And they, they almost won this game. I mean, it, it was fun in the beginning, right? Cause Arizona comes out, they score. And then, and then North Dakota kind of finds its footing and then you yeah. start going, Oh no, like this could be, oh, no. <laughs> like, oh no, this is going to happen again. But to the to the credit of of Arizona in that third quarter and 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 more into the fourth quarter the cats just they just turned it on and they 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 straight up took that game away from North Dakota and they did it they were physical and they they were creative offensively i thought fish called a number of plays where i was like right there was the, the in the red zone and they did five wide jaden delora quarterback scramble and i'm like that's my guy let's go cuz i'm like oh no is fish going five wide with delora you fool and then of course like delora just runs into the end zone the other thing and then i'll hand it over to you here rob the, the other thing that really stood out to me in this game was the exact things that everybody jumped on delora for last week 
were totally erased this week. Where, yeah, he corrected them. Yeah. yeah. Instead of trying to throw the ball 25 yards down the field on a scramble, he took the 10 yards and just ran. And that was the difference. If, if he threw an interception in this game, scrambling, Arizona loses. And every single time that pressure came, and it came a lot, which is a problem with Arizona, but every time it came, he, you know, he looked to see if he can hit a throw and he did hit a couple scrambling, but for the most part, he used his legs to get out of traffic, out of problems. And he was able to get yards to keep those chains moving. And I, I, if that's the Delora that, that Eric, like clearly fish talked with him um, and the staff talked with him. And if he sticks like that, I mean, Arizona is going to win five, you know, five games this year. Yeah. I mean, I think that like, <clears throat> there's a couple things to call out. One of which is like, to your point and ever it's funny. Cause if you're watching the game, the, the announcers, everyone's talking about, oh, Arizona's def- defense has to be gassed, has to be gassed. And they bowed up and they stopped them on fourth down, got the ball back. Arizona took it down and scored the go-ahead touchdown. And then Arizona's defense shut them down. Yeah. You know, like they shut down the running game and they met them in the hole. You know, they um, and, and that had not been the case all night, you know, like they had, they, you know, North Dakota States are, is a really disciplined team with a, a really, um, tough, tough to handle run scheme. Um, and I, I thought Arizona did a really good job and Arizona too. I mean, like they're, they normally run a four, two, five. They had to run a four, three in this game. They often dealt with extra linemen, lots of three tight setups. I mean, lots of stuff that like. You're, you know, Jed Fish had pointed it out. He said it's like it's like preparing for a service academy, right? Like you're just never going to see this scheme again from any or anything like it all year. It's like a one-off. You got to like prepare for this weird scheme you got to cover. I thought Delora. I thought they did a good job in the second half getting the wide receivers more involved, and I thought that was important because I think Arizona does have better skill position players, um, and they needed to let make that carry weight in the game. And I thought the running backs did a really good job. Jonah Coleman, freshman in particular. But I think the uh, I think what's interesting though, and I think to your point, right, is like Delora not having time. Is it just me, or is like every Arizona is every Arizona route designed to be like? Listen, he's gonna he's gonna break and look for the ball ten yards down the field. There's <laughs> nothing, nothing in between wide receiver screen at the line of scrimmage or behind it. And a route that is 10 yards down the field. And that just seems strange to me because there's so much stuff here where you're like, man, there's like, there's no three step, you know, or something like that. There's nothing where the quarterback is immediately looking. There's no hot route. You know, if the protection's breaking down, it is all, it is, and it truly is all. And it felt like like North Dakota State could largely sit with coverage not having to cover much of the flats and not like sitting with their guys off a bit in coverage. And I was like, why isn't fish adjusting to this? Like you maybe don't have the offensive line for this and you guys, you maybe need to hit some quick hitters. That's interesting. I'll have to, I'll have to keep a look at that the next time. Cause what, what stood out for me more was that Delora was accurate. And he was really, he was. he was hitting really good throws and really good passes. And he was throwing it down the field and he was like on like, and again, making the decisions that he needed to make. And I was like, you know, when's the last time that I've seen this at an Arizona program? I mean, it's been years. So I, I have to ch- check that out because he was scrambling a lot. And I think you're right. Like, you know, it was more, you know, it, you didn't have a lot of the stuff, you know, in that, that mid-level area. And, and maybe, I don't know if that's by design or 
if he's just too it stubborn. It feels like it's part of the scheme, right? And it, but, but you definitely look like, what are you doing, right? Like you're, Arizona, I don't think, does have the offensive line to hold for five seconds, right? Like you might need to be able to get the ball out quicker. And there, there are a million pass plays <laughs> designed <laughs> to do, that, that exist that are designed to do that. <laughs> well, the matchup they have against Cal is fascinating because – you know, Cal ended up losing, right? Cal 17, Notre Dame 24. But I don't know. I This is one of the teams where I, I still don't know what they are because I, I yeah. thought it was impressive that they were able to really take it to UNLV, a team that, that, again, is like more of a hipster group of five on the rise program, but they're not quite there. But I thought Cal played well against them. And then they, and then they played but only Notre- one by seven, right? Like, that's true. Yeah. That's, I mean, like, and we had you, now that I talk about, it, we had UNLV covering the spread, but they, you know, they play Notre Dame and I don't know how bad Notre Dame is because that Marshall loss, right. They had a pick six, but they were still super competitive in that. So like, yeah. I don't know whether to wait a close game against Notre Dame as a plus or as a negative because they might be really, really bad Rob. Yeah, I mean, I like Notre Dame. So Notre Dame right now in the model, they do have three games in. They're getting a lot of credit for that Ohio State game, right? And and mostly on the defensive side of the ball. The offense isn't good for them. You know, like the offense right now sits at 67 for Notre Dame. The defense sits at 14. You know, Cal, like their offense is sitting at 41. I think that's maybe a little high um, for where their offense is going to end up. The defense is sitting at 21. That feels... In a, in about the right range um, for them. What's interesting, though, is like Cal, I mean, of course, with the injury, Cal's really struggling to stop the run so far this year. Um, they're a lot better against the pass when they've been beat. And, and the data will change a bit as we get a little bit more data in on them. Um, but when they've been beat, it's been it, they've, they've been they've been torched on the ground a little bit more than they have through the air. And so they'll get an Arizona team that is, is looking to throw the ball so far. I mean, they've relied on throwing the ball 35 and effective pass, 100 and effective rush. Um, I'm interested to see if Arizona is able to, to rely on the run a little bit more in this game. Beta rank is, and it's weird. It, this is true for Utah, Florida, Kentucky, and uh, Arizona. They're sort of all linked <laughs> in a way because Utah and Arizona have played San Diego State, um, and then Kentucky and Utah have played Florida, and almost none of these teams have done great in their other games outside of sort of playing in in each other in this little network of teams. And Baderink's, I think, off on a uh, on them by about seven points ish, give or take. Um, and it's true on all the games this week for any of those teams. Like it's 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 too low on all of them. Um, and I think Arizona is one of them. Um, I think the Vegas line is about right. Um, it opened at four and it, it may have come up, but I, I think, I think Arizona has an absolute puncher's chance in this game. Like this, this should be a close game. Yeah. So it popped up to five and that's what we okay. have here. The, I think these teams are pretty even in terms mm-hmm. of just in general, like, right. And, and so if you were going to give me three, I take Cal. Uh, yeah, because they're playing at Cal. There is a chance, though, where Arizona. It sounds so weird, right? Arizona beats an FCS team and starts feeling themselves, but they might. Like you know, this team, this has been a disaster program for like a decade, and they they might treat this like they won the Super Bowl and then go to Cal and just totally lay an egg. I mean, there there is a world where this team kind of falls apart. 
Um, and I think that happens in a couple games this year, but I don't think it's against Cal because I don't think Jack Plummer's that good. I don't think yeah. they can run the football uh, all that all that well, and that's the one area right. If you want to take it to Arizona, just run the football. Um, right. You can also throw it too, but like you know, preferably run it. You know, so it's, it's, I, yeah. I think that is a weakness for them still. And if you're going to give me five points against a, a Cal team who I just don't trust the offense, and I don't think the defensive s- skill is there, I'll take the I'll take the points, and um, and uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Look, I think Arizona's going to be able to come in and run the football in this game, and I think Fish is smart enough to stick with it here. And I, I think Cal, I mean, you're just devastated by the injury, you know, to the defensive lineman, you know, really setting them back here. But I, I, I think they're like Arizona's, like Arizona's offensive line was able to move the move the pile against San Diego State. They were able to move the pile. I mean, less against Mississippi State, but you know, they're they're pretty big, they're pretty good defense. Um, and they were able to do against North Dakota State. I think Arizona's going to be able to, to move the football. I think with at five points, I I actually like Arizona um, at that number. I, it, this this game feels like pretty close to a toss up. I think. Yeah, I I'm worried because I do think there's a world where like Arizona just kind of isn't focused in this one. Yeah. You know, it's sleepy. It's Berkeley. Like you know, it's not it's not a team that you really write on your schedule. It's like ah, we're going to circle this one. So there is a there is the potential for that, but on paper these teams I think are are super even, and if you're going to give me five, I'll take the five. All right, Rob, we got three more games to come up, and let's do it right after this. All right, we're back. Fascinating matchup. Fascinating matchup. We're going through Week Four Pac-12 football, and Saturday at six thirty p.m. on the Pac-12 Network. Offensive. It's offensive, Rob. <laughs> that USC at Oregon State is on a network nobody will see. I I uh I I'm going to write a strongly written email to George Kaliknikov and, and Larry Scott too, but that that will include other things. Well, it, was, it, was, it was because so somebody explained this pretty well, and it was because the networks want to you can all, because of the way the original contract with the Pac-12 was I mean like the one that Larry Scott negotiated like a decade ago. Um was structured, you can only pick a team so many times. So like the networks only have so many USC picks they can make. And so they're preserving those USC picks for later on in the season down the stretch run. Um, Even though this is a pretty appealing matchup. Exactly. And and then it ends. So this ends up on the Pac-12 network because they just don't, they don't want to give up their shot to get USC later on in the season. Because you're telling me because network executives are idiots and don't watch college football. That's what you're telling me because this matchup Rob is, it's actually, it's just kind of like, it's kind of done with the Pac-12. Like, Dude, let the networks like you should have just asked for more money. Like, let the networks pick USC as many freaking times as they want. Yeah. Just ask for more money for it. No, that's true. That's a good call. <laughs> Way better solution. <laughs> what do you? What kind of negotiations are you guys running here? Oh my gosh, Larry Scott. May you? Never mind. Uh, all right, six thirty. So USC, I thought played super well. Like, again, this game went the way I thought it was going to, and I wish I wish the same thing would have happened with the UCLA game, right? But where. Yes, like yes, USC's US, UCLA game. I can't believe that game in no way was the way you thought it was. No, no be. not at all. It was so far. I mean, it exceeded my expectations by quite a bit. But oh my moly, <laughs> like they're gonna step on that team's throat. Uh, well, like 
but look, I still don't believe in USC's defense. Um, now you did have Hayner out out of part of this game, so it's very important to keep that in mind. At the same time, um, USC did what it does on offense, which is score a lot of points. And when Hayner was in the game, I thought that USC, for the most part, there's a couple plays where there's some bad <laughs> tackling and some good play calling and all that stuff where USC looked pretty silly out on the other side. But for the most part, being able to contain Fresno State when Hayner was in the game, I thought it was it was impressive in this game. And I kind of thought that, you know, there's it was going to be another team that was going to challenge USC. It wasn't going to be Fresno. Um, if you look up and down the box score, I mean, 233 yards on the ground, a gazillion yards through the air, no turnovers in terms of picks thrown by Caleb Williams. He has been excellent, like really, really freaking good. Like I get it, right? You know, I understand now. I understood like a few weeks ago, but I, but you know, this continues to be one of the more impressive showings in the Pac-12 period by a quarterback. I just think he is excellent. Some of these back shoulder throws and the scratch, like it's it's amazing. Oh yeah, he's improved off of last season. Like he's really good. Yeah, and it helps when you have like Max Williams and Jordan Addison and you know, like Terrell. But like, I mean, it's funny to see like who caught passes of this game, right? Like Taj Washington got in on the party. Like Brendan Rice's, you know, uh, Jerry Rice's kid was here. So all that to say, like a really impressive showing against Fresno State. Any any takeaways for from you, Rob, on on what they were able to do to the Bulldogs? I mean, I thought the I thought the display on on defense was was pretty impressive. Um, Baderink gave him a bunch of credit for it. We'll see how much of that carries over. <laughs> but um, you know, like it's it's uh I mean Baderink has this game right around where Vegas did uh when it opened. I mean, so Baderink has it a USC by seven point one on the road. You know, and look, this this USC offense comes in at number three. Is that what it is? I mean, they're really, really good. Um, and they're an incredibly explosive offense. And we, and we talked about this too, right? Like USC's like USC's offense can put you in a hole offensively, right? Like not only do you have, you are trying to play catch up. You are trying to play catch up on long fields because they're scoring all the time and you are only getting the ball off of kickoffs. (laughs) And so that, that can put you in a hole where look, Stanford is able to move the ball. They didn't put up a lot of points, um, but you know, like that, that's hard to do like that to be able to sustain that. And, and Fresno just couldn't do it. Um, you know, the, the USC was really able to use the field, get pressure on Hainer. Um, you know, I, I thought they did a really good job in this game. Um, yeah. And now we get a team that has also played Fresno state already, um, in a bit of a different game. <laughs> <laughs> Probably should have lost that one. Uh, you know, Oregon state. Yeah. They got outgained. By, by Fresno by quite a bit. I I was shocked uh, in, in a good way at when what this line was because I thought that it was going to be 13, like, you know, SC 13 on the road or something like that. And it was seven. And I'm like, oh, man, Vegas knows. Vegas knows. This is they. Here's the thing is I still want to take USC because I don't think Oregon State's defense is good. And right. And like, and I'm, I'm maybe a little bit worried about Fresno State's offense, right? Like the, the fact that they weren't able to put up a ton of points against USC's defense and Oregon State's defense, like those units aren't that good. And, and here we are. And like, I know what Vegas is doing. That's why they build these giant towers with like free buffets and whatnot. Because idiots like me are like seven points, USC, like I'm going to take it. And like, I'm, I'm literally on the show. I'm going to take. Washington state, uh, or I'm going to take Oregon at the Palouse and I'm going to take USC 
um, in Corvallis. I think I just think their offense is good. I think it's going to be really hard for Oregon State to keep up, and they will be able to move the ball, but. I just don't think that defense is I think I think USC's defense is good enough to be able to hold the passing game in check, but I do think Oregon State's gonna be able to run all over USC. I'm I'm really curious. And, and like look, Oregon State beat like Montana State sixty seven to twenty or something. It, it doesn't matter. Like that the game matters. What matters is this matchup, Rob. I'm curious what, what your breakdown is here because I don't want to take USC, but I'm like every every fiber of my body's like the the upstate's going to happen another time because seven is not a lot of points. No, it's not. I mean, and here's like, look, I think, and Oregon State's been able to throw the ball more effectively than I would have expected up to this point. But they're still, I mean, you're still expecting them to come in behind the offensive line and run the ball uh, and slow the game down, right? Like you definitely do not like, and this is where I think Oregon State has a, a significant advantage in this game. I mean, I'm not a significant advantage of the game overall. Like USC is favored for a reason, but Oregon State's advantage that they have here is they are not, is that they definitely do, they definitely have the drive efficiency card in their bag, right? Like Oregon State can absolutely sustain drives, um, and they can grind the ball and put up, you know, put up yards and put up first downs, um, and like we talked about with Washington State, needing to make sure that even if they didn't score, they flip the field and give their defense a chance. Like you cannot give USC short field, right? Like um, they're probably going to score even with long field. <laughs> like you, you cannot give them short field. And I think Oregon State is is going to be able to to burn some clock. I mean, like you watched that Arizona North Dakota State game, like that game went really fast. Why? Because North Dakota State does nothing but run the football. Yeah. <laughs> and like, and when one team's committed to do that, um, you know, like, and like, I just go back to like Stanford who sucks at running the football, ran the ball all over yeah. USC. And I, I really think like USC's defense right now, it's like super wonky in beta rank. Um, it is, it is being held up by like their completely insane turnover numbers, which are not sustainable. And we're like, we're going to get to the point where beta rank is like, Oh, that's actually randomness. Not, you know, it's just noise. Not, uh, we can't attribute that to USC. They're at 45 and effective rush coming into this game. Like that's not where you want to be. I think they're going to be, I think they are going to get, I think, I I think Oregon state's going to be able to run the ball kill some clock and what they're going to hope to do is like keep USC from getting into a rhythm. Right. Um, you know, like USC has been sitting on the bench (laughs) watching the Beavers run play after play after play. Um, and I look, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I'm going to take USC because I think Bader, I think the offense is like Bader is still figuring out where the offense is. I'm not sold on the Beavers defense. Um, getting things figured out at all. And I'm not sold that they have the dudes to cover what is USC at least four deep wide receiver at least. Right. Um, I, I don't think they have, I don't think they have the horses for that. So, I mean, I think USC was going to win by like 10, you know, it's going to be two possessions is, yeah. is my guess. Yeah, but I, like it, I, my guess is though, there, there, there could be long stretches of this game where it's close. Uh, I, if, if there was a different quarterback, I take I take you uh, Oregon State or if this was ten right I I think I put this at yeah. ten and a half or thirteen and a half I forget which one it was but it was like even then I was like oh man but seven I get it I understand why this line is so low 
and I'm I'm just gonna stand in front of it anyway. And if if uh, Chance Nolan beats me, then Chance Nolan beats me. And if that defense holds the line, then the defense holds the line. But you're right, like right the the over under on this game is 68. Like Vegas clearly anticipates this is going to be a shootout. I understand yeah. that like Corvallis is a very difficult place to play. USC is last year many times. I was on Utah. I was on a. a the the beavers against utah last year so i just i get it i get it but mm, i think it's going to be like a washington or utah maybe oregon maybe ucla that gets usc i just don't think it's the it, i don't think it's the beavs so um although i hope i hope it is somebody needs to smack smack that team around a little I mean, bit, people but. should not discount utah i mean still right like i mean what did we just talk about like stanford ran the ball all over i'm like this is going to be another one like can usc shut down the beavers running game yeah, um, that that would bode well for a potential looming. I mean, it's not that far off showdown with Utah. Um, but yeah, if they're if the beef show up and run all over them, like who, buddy, that's going to be that'll be an interesting like, I mean, I'm, I'm still excited. That's still the matchup of the season in the conference. The last thing to keep in mind here is I don't think Williams is throwing a pick yet. And yeah, and, and he's had a couple bad games. If he throws one or two in this game, like now. I mean, now we're cooking because like that crowd gets crazy. I don't think I don't think Oregon State's defense is all that good, but it, you know they were able to maximize the moments when they got the ball back against Fresno and also against Boise State. So just keep that yeah. in mind. Um, mm, that line seven, God, they hung a seven. The balls, the balls. That that might go. That might go even, even. I don't know. I think it'll pop up. I think it'll pop up, but we'll see. All right, next game, Rob. 7.30 p.m. on Fox Sports 1, Stanford is a 12-point underdog on the road against Washington. Stanford had a bye because they had uh, played USC the week before. And then Washington, I mean, we we, we added this to the card a little late, but um, holy smokes, they just made <laughs> Michigan State look stupid. I mean, they just did. This this was like, and, and the score was closer than it, than it really was, right? Because for... Uh, Michigan State scored like 14 points in the in the fourth quarter, but Washington 39, Michigan State 28, and I mean it. We I think we know what Washington is like. 400 yards <laughs> through the air, four touchdowns, no picks. Michael Penix is the truth. Um, now they weren't great running the ball, and I don't think they've been great all year running the ball, but like good enough. And I think that's kind of what this Washington uh, team is. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, this score, yes, not only do you have the the late touchdowns from Michigan State um, in the fourth quarter, you have two goal line fourth down stops from Michigan State. That, <laughs> like, Washington drove all the way. I mean, Washington easily, easily could have put up nearly 60 points on Michigan State. <clears throat> in this game. Yeah. I mean, it was a, it was a shellacking, right? Like, uh, and, uh, good, good for the Huskies, right? Like they, they did. I mean, it, first you finally get to see some offense. Like the last time you saw offense was in Jonathan Smith was still your offensive coordinator. <laughs> um, and you know, like there, now there are some questions about the defense, you know, I think a little bit more, um, and they're definitely, I mean, like uh, they definitely tried to run the ball a little bit more later in the game. I just, I, I, I don't. I don't think it's going to be their bag, right? Like you have Michael Penix, who we 
we talked about, we tried to tell people coming into the season, like, cause people spent too much time focused on his time in Indiana, part of which he was hurt. But most of it was like after Kalen DeBoer left, like Nick Sheridan was not a good offensive coordinator. Um, like he's, a, it's just a very different animal. Like the, and the questions that we had coming into the season, which were around wide receiver, I feel like got really well answered in this game, right? Like Polk, McMillan, Odunze, like were terrific. Yeah. In this game. And, and, and it's great to see, right? Because one of the things that we were shocked about, like over the course of three years was like, holy Moses, they, you know, Washington has recruited wide receiver exceptionally well. Well, there's just nobody right. to put them in a position to be good. <laughs> so now you're like, oh, there, there it is. It's finally, you know, come to fruition. You have very talented players and a very good quarterback right. and playing a Stanford team that is, is lane 12 and Washington in the past has had a Stanford problem. But I, I really liked the way that they were able to hold Michigan State, right? Jarek Broussard is a good running back, and I think he's the number two back for Michigan State. I think they rushed for like 70 yards. I mean, it wasn't like they weren't trying to run the ball. And the big the big stink on Washington last year was, oh, you can run the ball against this team. So I, I do think yeah. there's a little bit of improvement here on the defense. And then I think I think if you mix that up, right, I, do, I don't think Stanford can run the, can run the ball. I, I, I don't. Um we're going to find out, right? Like, so Stanford's running a new system again. They, they're, they, that's what we got to see. They, they sort of, they didn't, they didn't bust it out against Colgate, but they did against USC. That slow mesh, like David Shaw and company spent. And it's funny. Cause I had to, I had to listen to it. And I was like, they're like, Oh, Stanford's finally gotten away from intellectual brutality. Like they're trying something different. Give them credit. I'm like, you've been doing something different for years. You, Anyway, (laughs) but this is different than even what they were doing last year or the last two or three years. Um, And they can sling it. You know, we talked about that. Like they can really throw the football around Um, and it may open up the run game. We'll see because, but like the thing with the slow mesh is, is by the time you are giving it to the running back, like it's clear whether there are holes or not, <laughs> you know, like, um, and I, I'm interested to say, like, I'm just interested to see, you know, what they've got here. I'm again, I'm with you. I'm not sold that Sanford suddenly can run the football. Um, you know, I'm going to, for the moment, put that in my back pocket and say like, that's probably a USC front seven problem. But I think they're gonna. I I think they're gonna be able to throw the football uh, in this game, you know. Like, and I think this could be a little bit of a shootout. Like, Stan, look, Stanford, st- like Stanford could have hung with USC um, offensively in that game. Like, they really, really shot themselves in the foot. Um, and I, I look. I mean, Washington's grading out offensively in the same range as USC right now. Number six offensively overall, number two in effective pass. Um, you know, like they're gonna, they're gonna, they're like this, this could, this, this game should be a lot of fun. This game should be a track meet. I think you talked me out of laying the points because it's ten. I mean, it's ten. What is it now? Is it twelve? It got bet up. Yeah. So it opened. At, I thought it opened around ten or eleven. Yeah. Um, it it probably did. I I grabbed him after they got beaten down a little bit. Um. Here's my here's my worry. Is Stanford's defense is awful. Yes. And Washington's going to score 40 points in this game. It's yes. it's can can Stanford score like 28? <laughs> I can don't know. Can they not screw up? Can they not screw? I mean cuz like 
here's the thing is like, I mean, Stan, I mean, look, and I don't think USC's got a particularly good defense, but I don't know what Washington's defense really is because Michigan State does not have a good offense. Yeah. Um, is I really want to see, I really want to see in this game, like, because they, I mean, they put up 441 yards and they had four turnovers in that <laughs> USC game, right? I mean, you're like, what, what are you just talking about? Like, oh, you know, Washington's going to put up 41. Like, Stanford could have put up 41 in that game if not for two horrible turnovers of their own um, in addition to two other turnovers that they gave them. And that's sort of like what's really tough in this game is like, look, I don't know if Stanford's in that same range and I don't trust them to play mistake-free football. Um, but I think Stanford can keep this within a touchdown. Yeah, I think you wait on this, right? If the, if the line already popped two, like see. Oh, see yeah, if it's going to move up, because I think people are going to react to um, Stanford being down, right? And I don't think a lot of people probably watched that USC game and they might just look at the final score. Um, but that, yeah, like this, this could move up again. Like I, my guess is, is like the public money is going to come in on the Huskies. Um, and so this line might be good later in the week. Yeah. God, Washington's going to score like 60 points in this game. <laughs> I mean, it's possible. Like, would you put up at more points than USC? Yeah. Right. I mean, that's like, yeah. I mean, in some ways, Stanford already got like probably the best offense in the conference. Washington, and I'm not like, what's crazy is like, because we're not talking about this coming into the season, is like, oh, Washington might not be far off of that. But like, Penix is legitimately probably the second best quarterback in the conference. Yeah. Um, based on what we've seen, like the throws he was making, uh, I mean, he made some just be through some times in that game. Yeah, it goes to Laura, uh, uh, Penix. Wait, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, <it's> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you. All right, Rob, you talked me into it. I, I had initially wanted to take uh, Washington. I'll take Stanford. I think that makes sense. I think this is a shootout, and if you're giving me double digits on that, let's go. Uh, who are you taking? I'm taking. I'm taking the Cardinals. It's crazy. I mean, because like I like. God, I, I, I can't like because I, I am like I really do believe in Washington's offense, but like I, I think Stanford's offense is going to be pretty good this year. I, I like that that Wake slow mess. Like we're talking about Wake Forest, a team with like nearly no talent, the smallest school in FBS. Like maybe not. Yeah, I think they are the smallest school in FBS football, and they have the, a terrific offense running this slow mesh. So like if Stanford can like work the kinks out and stop giving the ball away, they could be a lot of fun. All right. Okay, the nightcap here on ESPN 7.30, although, you know, the 7.30 is the other Stanford-Washington game, too. But, you know, same thing. 7.30 p.m., ESPN Utah on the road, laying 15 points against Arizona State. I'm sorry, 16. It's kind of bounced up and down. Let's go with 16 at this point. Um, man, Utah just beat the tar out of San Diego State, and I loved every minute of it, Rob. Yeah, I mean, it took them a little bit to turn on. There was some dissatisfaction Amongst the villagers in the, in the Ute village <laughs> early on, um, San Diego State's defensive front was largely stuffing the Utah run game early on, um, and Rising had a little bit of trouble earlier on getting it going. They did figure it out and 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 then rolled, um, right? And it helped, of course, that like San Diego State's offense is 
horrendous. <laughs> so um, I don't know that there's much to take away. I mean, we watched two Pac-12 teams absolutely roast the Aztecs at this point, um, which is a nice turnabout given how San Diego State has played against the Pac-12 lately. Um, so yeah, like it's there's I I don't know that there's a ton to take away. Like the Utes eventually got it going, but I mean again, like I like and we talked about this a little bit with Arizona um, playing. I'm like San Diego State does have a really good front seven, uh, in particular a, a front four that's pretty good, um, and they were able to stymie the Utes for a little bit until they made adjustments. Man, poor Keenan Kristen, right? The transfer from USC. Oh, five carries, eight yards, one ball. Like he's, you're better than that. Go transfer next year. <laughs> I mean, Braxton Burmeister and Keenan Christopher are like, what were you doing transferring into this situation? Like <laughs> literally go anywhere, man. Go to the FCS instead of this. I get it. I love San Diego though. I can understand, right? That's like, true. <laughs> I mean, like where do you get to go hang out in San Diego? Yeah, that's, that's a valid point. So the thing that, the other thing that I took away from this and you're right, right? Like, cause this was just, a, and it's, it was slow, but. Once they rolled, they rolled, and then they just stopped trying. But I loved how they started throwing to the wide receivers, right? Devon Vele got some. Solon Ennis got it. Even they got to Micah Bernard a couple times. So, like, and I watched the majority of this game. And, yes, I know Brent Keithy got, like, a bunch of – and Kincaid did also. But I just – I liked how a couple of the touchdowns, you know, I'm looking up, I'm like – Oh, is that Bailey? Right on. I, I just and and they and you could see that they were tooling around with this a little bit in the previous game, right? They lose to Florida. They play like a no nothing team, and you just saw a bunch of the wide receivers get in on the action. So I'm I'm interested in that. I want to see if that continues. Um, I mean ASU, what the <laughs> what in the hell? Like friggin' Eastern Michigan. Right? Like, and, and this was yeah. the one I got the, this was the most wrong of all, of all the wrong. This was the most wrong, right? <laughs> Cause ASU was giving 20 and a half. I think it got him at 20, but like, I, I, but the point being, Hey, ASU beats bad teams by a lot, particularly Mac teams. And like, is Eastern good, Rob? I, I, I don't, I mean, look, I didn't know how, how good well, they let's, were. Let's, let's put this a little bit in context. So <clears throat> the week before they lost to Louisiana, <laughs> Who, who was Billy Napier's former team? Um, and what's funny is, is, like in this game, Eastern threw for three sixty-one. They only ran for forty-one in this game. <laughs> so that, like, I was not expecting. Like, what ha- what happened in Tempe was a bit unexpected at a lot of levels. Do you know what happened to Louisiana this week? No, they lost a race. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> pretty, convinc- <laughs> pretty convincingly. Oh, well, good for, good for that rice coach, the the old the old O line coach, well, the old O line coach and offensive coordinator for Stanford, Mike Blomgren. Yeah. So, um, I look. I I didn't like. I just thought it was a lot of points for ASU. Yeah. Um. I and I I actually and stupidly I thought. Eastern Michigan was going to be able to come into this game. I thought they were going to be able to throw the ball a bit. <laughs> oh my God. They, there's no other way to put it. They trucked Arizona state on the ground. Oh my gosh. I mean, just trucked them. And this is, this is a major problem, right? Like going forward, because as, as we know from having watched Arizona in the COVID season. <laughs> if teams figure out they can just run the ball on you, they will. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? So, so just to, so if if you didn't 
watch this game and you haven't seen the box score, 305 freaking yards, rushing yards on the ground by the Eastern Michigan Eagles. And here's here's what makes it. Wait, but that is like they they ran because there's like a team rush in there for minus 10. There's a sack in there for minus nine. I mean, like they ran for almost 330 yards on them. The the thing that worries me the most about this is the front seven. And look, I know Jermaine Lole transferred. I know that they had an injury. I understand and and the depth was starting to get thin, but but like they have recruited fairly well of this position, and, yeah. and and they just got just smacked in the mouth by a Mac school, and that makes me think that a that can happen again. And guess who you're playing? Freaking Utah. <laughs> and, yeah. and and it also it makes more sense now why they fired Herm after this game because it just it felt like this team gave up. Um, now they still played, right? They, you know, ASU scored. They they tried to come back and win this game, but but that type of physicality against a Pac-12 team, um, that that one of the things that I was more interested in was that that front line. I'm like, oh, okay, the front seven, at least that you know, maybe they'll hold Eastern Michigan to 50 yards or something. <laughs> nope, um, that that can come back. Now, if you flip it on the other side, like the thing that here here's something for you, Rob. Emory Jones this year has has rushed for like. 50 yards or like 60 yards. I don't know like what they're doing. Yeah. That's the one thing like, right. So, so Utah's laying 16 points. The one thing that gives me pause is that they get in, you know, Herm gets fired. They bring in somebody that just says, Hey, you got to run the ball. And Utah is not good at defending that. I don't know. What do you think about that theory? I mean, look, that's somewhat reasonable. I mean, like Utah's Utah's front seven got pushed around in Florida. Right. And uh, I mean, Florida has not looked exactly unbeatable since. <laughs> um, so, like, I get, you know, I get it. Like, you can talk yourself into, you can talk me into, you know, like, Valaday had a pretty good game. You know, like, he had a, you know, he hit a big one for 44 yards. Um, but he rushed for 127. They got to, you know, tacked on another 32. You know, you throw Emory Jones and actually have him out there running the football in this game. You know, they could cause some problems for a Utah defense that I don't think is all the way put together, right? I mean, and we haven't, like, we've only really gotten to see them against Florida. San Diego State just <laughs> does not count. They are so, so utterly inept offensively. Um, and this is, we're going to learn something about, like, I mean, because look, I mean, I, I think Arizona State did an okay job offensively in this game. They weren't great. You know, like, they definitely have a lot of work to do. But I think they can run the football to your point, right? And like, if Herm, I mean, or, well, not Herm anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the, the former high school coach who's now running the team. Um, you know, I think that they can, you know, definitely like they'll they'll look to slow this game down, right? Like you're not going to want Utah marching up and down the field. But that's what really concerns me is like, is Utah going to be able to just hit big plays and gouge them running the football? Yeah. Because the answer just feels like yes, yes. right? Like yeah. regardless of what, you know, regardless of what ASU wants to do here, um, you know, like it feels like the youths are going to be able to run the ball with impunity. It's it's like taking your kid to the supermarket and they don't want to go, but you're like, you can have a piece of candy. Like, you know, like that, that, you know they're, you're going to get what you want, but I'm also going to get what I want for everybody in the family. And I think that's kind of what Utah's going to do with ASU where it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you'll be able to run the ball a little bit or you'll be able to, to pass the ball. Though, like, and, and to your point, right? Like the, the positives here, Elijah Badger has really showed out. I really like the fact that he's kind of emerged. Um, 
that's about it. I mean, that and, and Holiday obviously like was was very good on the ground and and caught a couple passes here too. But I think yes, ASU might score some points. I just think USC is going to just run over them on the ground. And then once ASU adjusts, they're just going to hit their tight ends in the like, you know, just, just, just run straight young man. And, and we'll catch you in 20 yards. I, I, I'm going to lay the points. I don't think that this team rallies around the coaching staff. Cause there's so many transfers. Yeah. I just think it's a, it's a weird spot for them. And I normally don't like betting against a team that just fired their coach, but I do think this is different and um, I'll, I'll lay the points and take Utah. Yeah, I'm going to, I mean, even if, even if ASU, I think, tries to rise to the occasion, I just think the the overall execution and talent level and coaching acumen on the Utah side of the football, it's going to really wear, you know, even if they're able to pull like a San Diego State and slow them down in the first quarter, I just expect by mid second quarter, like that's going to be over and the Utah have made the adjustments required. Yeah, that's it, Rob. That That's week four. You got anything oh, else? So easy. Thank God for conference play. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to plug? What do we got on the Saturday six this week? Uh, we got a couple of good games, you know, like the, uh, and it's, it's a bit of a different week again. Like there's not, there's not an overwhelming, um, you know, like massively, massively exciting game out there at the top, but we're going to do Ohio state, Wisconsin. Um, that one, that one should be a good game. Um, to start out, we're going to do USC and Oregon state for sure. Uh, we're going to cover Clemson and wake. Um, we're going to cover Michigan and Maryland. Maryland is a sneaky good team so far. We'll see if that holds up. We'll yeah, find yeah. out a lot about Mich- find out a lot about Michigan in that game for sure. Um, you know, and then there's yeah, there's uh, there's some other really good games. I'm excited. I can't remember exactly what I said I was going to do at this point. It's <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks everybody for bearing with us. It is a great. Uh, it's been a great season already. I'm really excited. Like in. in Again, it's nice to see a couple teams bottom out and know they have to make a change. And it's nice to see some of the teams that had bottomed out make that change and really just start to to flourish. So uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing how these teams match up against each other in conference season. Uh, you can follow us at 12-Pack Radio, sharpcollegefootball.com uh, for all of your advanced stats. Uh, that that model continues to, to crack crack forward. I think we got a few more weeks until it fully locks in. And Sharp College Football on YouTube. Check us out there. And thanks for listening.